It is Wednesday, November 25th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our special Turkey Day edition of the DFS podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, are Jared Smola and Tyler Syracuse. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Thanksgiving Day slate changed quite a bit already, guys, when the NFL moved Thursday night's Steelers-Ravens game to Sunday afternoon. It's a reaction to Baltimore's team outbreak with covid Certainly makes sense, but it also takes a third of the players out of this already shallow pool for us. Yeah, and I don't know, a two-game slate feels so much different than a three-game slate to me. Um, and, you know, the, the Steelers-Ravens game was one I was going to avoid for the most part. Um, so it didn't you know, really affect lineups too much for me, but it obviously affects our ownership when you have you know all those guys who were you know going to soak up some ownership now going to be spread out between the only two games we have. Yeah, uh, ownership's definitely going to be concentrated in a two-game slate. It's kind of a shame that we only get the two games. There's definitely going to be a chalk running back in that Steelers-Ravens game with J.K. Dobbins and um, Mark Ingram both going on the COVID list. So Gus Edwards is definitely going to be the guy there. But with that game postponed, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, similar lineups. So in GPPs, you're going to have to get different. If you want the top spot, you're going to have to make some uncomfortable plays. So we could get into it. The pricing too is way too soft. Like, because there there are some like decent looking cheap plays, but you don't need to play them. I mean, you can play them and leave like a thousand, two thousand bucks left. But um, I, I just wish the pricing was a bit tighter, so you know we, we had to play some of those flyer types. Well, so now it it is like one of those one day playoff slates that we get every year, and mm-hmm. the the Monday Thursday slate if you play that one um, when there's just a single game on each of those days. So. I mean, I guess before we get to our player recommendations, Tyler, you're the the high volume player among us. How do you approach short slates like this? Do you play the the one day playoff slates? Do you play the Monday Thursday slates in in the regular season? Yeah, I have a lot of experience with the shorter slates, the two game slates, the three game slates, and then a little bit in showdown. So Jared made a good point that you're definitely going to want to leave money on the table in a lot of your lineups. You really don't want a lot of your lineups that are duplicated because it's just going to hurt your overall upside quite a bit. Another thing I usually like to do is uh, roster studs and duds in these two-game slates because you really need to prioritize getting the top-scoring player at each position. So if Deshaun Watson scores 30 and all other quarterbacks only score 15, you're really going to need him in your lineup. Same thing with the wide receiver position. If Terry McLaurin scores 30 and – no other wide receiver scorers over 22. Those are going to be uh, guys you definitely need in your lineup. I think this two-game slate fits pretty well, uh, once again, with the stud and dud approach, since we have a couple cheap guys on the Texans that look pretty enticing with Kiki Kuti and Jordan Akins, and then jamming in the rest of the studs. So that's generally how I play the two-game slates. I, I really prioritize the top projected players at each position, and then fill in the the best punts uh, in the roster spots that require that. 
It's always a good week when we get to talk about Kiki Cutie on the show. Jared, what do, what do you like about or handle differently on short slates like this? Yeah, one thing for me is I think you want to, with every lineup, um, decide how you think, you know, in this case, both games are going to go from a, you know, final score perspective and a game flow perspective, and then build your lineup accordingly. So like, I think a good example this week is with Washington's running backs. I, I, I don't think you want to play Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. You want to play McKissick. If you think the Cowboys win this game, play with a lead. So you'd probably play McKissick with like Zeke Elliott. If you play Gibson, you're assuming Washington, you know, is, is keeping it close. They're playing with the lead. And in that case, you probably want to play Gibson with like Dalton and Cowboys wide receivers and assume, you know, the game goes that way. Like, I don't, I don't think Gibson with Zeke makes a lot of sense. It, it could work. I mean, anything can work in a two game slate, but I think it's more likely that, you know, Gibson and Zeke are in the same lineup and are in the same winning lineup this week. The anything could work is, a, I think, worth digging into a little further. Uh, Tyler, when we have so few players and really so few paths for differentiation, do you just like play a bunch of lineups and cover all your bases here? Or do you pick favorite paths? It's still relatively difficult to cover all your bases, even in a two-game slate. But a lot of times I'll take a stand on a certain position. Like, for example, I think I might play 100% Deshaun Watson this week. I think he has by far the highest floor slash ceiling combination. And the other quarterbacks on the slate are Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, and Matthew Stafford, who just got shut out by the Panthers. So like that's an example where I, I'd play 100% to Sean Watson and then just run a ton of different Texan stacks with you know three or four Texans players and then maybe only one Lions player and then you know, mix and match on, in the other game. But that's just an example of where I could take a stand on a certain position and just play 100% of certain players. Yeah, leaving salary on the table is going to be key here too because most weeks we talk about what you can fit into a lineup. But if you're really just trying to fit whatever you can into a lineup and pay every bit of salary, you're probably going to be playing a lineup that a lot of other people are playing as well. Two things that I tend to like on shorter slates. One it forces me to play my best lineup and not overthink ownership. We know that Deshaun Watson is going to be owned a lot. So I'm just going to play Deshaun Watson and not own, not want, worry about how many other people are playing him. And two, it really rewards you for finding that one sneaky pick that really goes off. Last year, we had Anthony Miller going nine catches, 140 yards against the Lions. We had Cole Beasley going for six for 110 and a touchdown uh, at Dallas with the Bills. So we're, we're going to go through position by position. We're going to try to find some of those guys that can go off and be that difference maker. And we're, got, we're not going to worry too much about trying to fit everything we can in our lineup. Let's start at quarterback. You know, obviously we started talking about Deshaun Watson already. You can make a case for other quarterbacks because, like you said, it's a two-game slate. It's the NFL. Goofy things happen. But, I mean, especially on – well, so Deshaun Watson is our points-per-dollar leader on either site, despite being easily the most expensive quarterback. Is he a must-play, Jared? Uh, so right now I, I'm, I'm going to play like three tournament lineups. I think I'm going to have two Deshaun Watsons. And then I'll, I'll talk about the third quarterback I'm going to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have Watson projected for five more points than any other quarterback on the slate. He's been awesome, especially since Bill Bryan was fired in every game, except that Cleveland game in the win, the Texans have the highest implied uh, total on this slate. So like, I, I think Watson is like, I don't know, a 50% chance to lead all quarterbacks on this slate in fantasy points. You just you have to know he's going to be the chalk, and you know make sure you have at least one or two spots in your Watson lineups that are guys who you know aren't going to be chalky. 
Right. He's had only two sub 20 point fantasy outings so far this season, week two against Baltimore and then week 10 in bad weather, strong winds in Cleveland. So he rebounded from that one for his second best fantasy line of the year against New England last week. I mean, really, like I said, he's the easy leader in dollars per point on both sites. I think it's tough to get away from Watson unless you're just kind of throwing a what if this happens lineup um, to to be different there. Uh, Tyler, you said you're going 100 percent to Sean Watson, you think? I think it's more of a 75 to 80% chance he's the top scoring quarterback. So I'm definitely going to be all in on Watson. I might have a couple red rocket stacks. I was glad to see him have a good game against the Vikings last week. And the Cowboys got the upset W against the Vikings. So that was good to see. And uh, Dallas has just really good wide receivers, which can kind of carry Dalton to a, to a high scoring fantasy game. But for me, it's mostly going to be Deshaun Watson, maybe 80% Deshaun Watson. And then, 20% Andy Dalton. Yeah, I was going to say Andy Dalton's really the only other consideration for me here. He did come through for you guys last week, 203 passing yards, three (laughs) touchdowns, and his wide receivers are just better than anybody else's, really. I would say his wide receivers are even better than Deshaun Watson's. Those are at least close, but it's not close for either Matthew Stafford or Washington. You know, we'll talk about those guys um, as we go through. I think Stafford's spot gets a little better if he has DeAndre Swift cleared from the concussion, but even so, it's not close to the other guys. Yeah, Staff- Stafford's the other guy for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna play one Stafford lineup. I think you know I, the fact that he sucked so bad last week is gonna keep his ownership you know lower than it would be otherwise. Maybe the thumb. I'd say probably the thumb was a problem last week. He did put in a full practice today, um, so maybe it's it's better not having Kenny Galladay or Danny Amendola hurts. It also makes his target tree more concentrated. I think you can stack him with Marvin Jones and T.J. Hawkinson and get most of the production. Um, you could throw DeAndre Swift in there if you want as well, who can do some damage in the passing game. Stafford, too, has been much better at home this season. He's averaged just 244 yards and 1.1 touchdown per game on the road, 279 yards and two and a half touchdowns per game at home. Uh, the Texans' pass defense isn't good. And I just think this Texans-Lions game has a much better chance to shoot out than Dallas-Washington does. I definitely agree with that. Are you not going to double stack Marvin's in this game though? Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall. See, that, that's where I struggle. Like you don't, you don't need Marvin Hall. Like, I mean, I, I, if he's going to be low owned, I get it, but I'm, I mean, it's, it's going to be Marvin Jones and Hawkinson. And then I guess I'll probably go either Swift or Marvin Hall. Or I got, I mean, we'll talk about running backs, but if Swift ends up not playing, I think carry on Johnson is the play in Detroit. Yeah, we'll certainly talk about other positions as we get to them. Uh, Tyler, any interest for, for you with Stafford? I know you said that it's 80% Deshaun Watson and then Andy Dalton. Are you Is Jared going to talk you into one Matthew Stafford lineup? <laughs> I think the Lions are the toughest team to dissect because they have a bunch of scrub wide receivers. There's running back uncertainty with Swift. Um, you know, he's going through the concussion protocol, so we don't even know if he's active yet. I think Swift and Hawkinson would be the only players I'd be willing to use. And I don't think I'd be using Stafford at all just because, I mean, they got shut out by a really bad Carolina defense. So I just, I have no trust in the, in the Panther or the Lions right now. And I just like the upside of Deshaun Watson and Andy Dalton a little bit more. Over running back, Ezekiel Elliott delivered his first 100 yard game of the season last week at Minnesota he's 1300 more than DeAndre Swift on FanDuel. He's 1700 more than Antonio Gibson. Are we playing Ezekiel Elliott this week? He's, he's the best volume bet at running back on the slate. So I think he has the highest floor. I, I think Zeke looked much healthier with that hamstring coming off the bye 
last week, you know, he had 21 carries for 103 yards. He's a home favorite here against Washington. It's a kind of a middling matchup. Washington 13th and football outsiders run D 12th in adjusted points allowed to running back. So that that's the mark in favor of Zeke. The argument against him is he hasn't topped three targets or two catches in any of his last four games now. And last week, Zeke ran a pass route on just 46% of Dalton's dropbacks. Tony Pollard was out there for 37% of the dropbacks. So the, the, you know, the target projection for Zeke isn't great. So that, you know, that's the argument if you want to fade him. Tyler, what about you? How much Ezekiel Elliott are you using? Jared mentioned how he's the safest bet for consistent volume. So I think that's a player that we can't really fade on this two-game slate. He's definitely a lock for cash games if you're playing cash for the two-game slate. I don't think you can make a great case for fading him in GPPs just if if we're projecting him for over 20 touches. The matchup is decent. You know, there's not really other running backs we trust on this slate whatsoever. So I think he's going to be a priority of mine in GPPs as well. How much cash do you play, Tyler, on these short slates? Because I, as somebody who's, uh, I don't know, I, I don't play a lot of lineups anyway, and I'm just kind of scared with my money in a slate like this to play for cash when it's two games and it just takes one goofball touchdown to throw things off. I don't play a whole lot of cash for short slates, but what about you? I mean, I'm not all in like a, like a normal main slate, but I could still get down a few thousand dollars uh, on each of my cash teams for each site. Depending on how I feel about it, I might be a little bit more aggressive. But I also try to um, play a lot of head-to-heads, especially on Thanksgiving. You're going to see a lot of soft action. You're going to see people that want to gamble and watch uh, football on a holiday. So usually the action on Thanksgiving is flying off the, flying off the boards and I'm posting a lot more head to heads and there's a lot more fish in the lobby. So we'll see if that's the case once again this year. That's a good point. Maybe I'll take a look at head to heads. Cause I would normally think that it's more sharp people playing, but uh, it is a fun time to just throw some dollars in and toss in a lineup without really thinking about it elsewhere. Besides Ezekiel Elliott, the, sh- the short slate, I mean, it gives us one more spot to consider Duke Johnson, who has (laughs) the number 24 rush DVOA defense in the Detroit Lions. Normally, if this were a full slate here with Duke Johnson, I would not even be bringing him up. But given that it's not, given that there are only so many options, he has a good matchup, and he could have a bad game here and still be a good fantasy option. What are you doing with Duke Johnson this week, Jared? I I might end up with some Duke Johnson. I mean, again, with only – (laughs) <laughs> only two games here. Um, you can't just like totally X them out. Like you said, Detroit bad against the run Detroit also 32nd in football outsiders running back coverage ranking. So if the Texans actually decide to target Duke Johnson, he did see five targets last week. Um, it's a good matchup there. The lions dead last and adjusted points allowed to running backs. We did see a bit more CJ Procise last week. Duke was down to a 77% snap rate. Lost three carries and two targets to Procise. So I don't know. Maybe the Texans are just like sick of Duke Johnson and they're going to get Procise even more work here. Um, I don't know. Like I he he's not one of my top two running back plays on the slate. But if you're playing a bunch of lineups, I think he makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a bigger mark in Duke Johnson's favor that Houston looks like the most enticing offense here, and the matchup is with Detroit, that which has allowed 19 running back touchdowns on the season. No other defense has allowed more than 15. So, like I said, Duke Johnson could have. 40 rushing yards, and if he scores a touchdown and catches three passes, I mean, it could be a pretty good fantasy day for him. Tyler, what are you doing with Duke Johnson this week? I think he'd be my third ranked running back as well. I think I would rank them Zeke. Perhaps a hot take would be Gibson over Swift if Swift is active. I think I I like Gibson a little bit better there. 
And then Duke Johnson would be my third ranked running back. And then probably J.D. McKissick, number four. So like Jared said, I mean, Duke Johnson had five targets last week. So he could be a guy that we're stacking with Deshaun Watson. But I mean, I just feel really good about the Texans offense in general. I don't understand why they were only favored by two and a half points when the when the line opened. Uh, I definitely made a significant bet on Houston this week. I just feel really um, good about their offense going up against a, a team that can't generate a pass rush. I think they're fourth lowest in pressure rate to opposing QBs. And we've seen Deshaun Watson have really big games when opposing defenders aren't in the backfield. So if they're living in the red zone, I think he's got his best shot at a touchdown this week. And we saw the five targets. So maybe he could uh, finally have a big game for us. <laughs> yeah, I'll play some uh, Duke Johnson on the short slate. And if he doesn't deliver this time, then uh, it, it, I might be done with him forever at this point. We mentioned DeAndre Swift, and obviously we're all watching to see if he's going to be active for the game. But, I mean, as I say this, it's 4.30 Eastern time on Wednesday. The game is Thursday, just a little afternoon. So we're running short on time for DeAndre Swift to get cleared. If he's out, we've got a couple paydown options at running back uh, in the Detroit backfield. Carryon Johnson, $4,900 on FanDuel. Adrian Peterson, $5,400 there. Carryon Johnson, $4,300 on DraftKings. You know, neither one really did anything for us against Carolina last week in a game where their team surprisingly got shut out. But again, with just two games, with only so many players available, either one capable of popping in a touchdown. How are you guys treating Carryon Johnson, Adrian Peterson, if DeAndre Swift is not playing? First of all, I'll say if Swift plays, he's, he's actually my favorite running back on the slate ahead of Zeke, even just because of his passing game role. Um, if Swift's out, I'll play some Carryon Johnson. Um, he played 70% of the snaps last week to Adrian Peterson's 30%. Again, with a negative game script, but if we're expecting negative game script here versus Houston, then I, I think it's going to be similar. Um, on Johnson also ran a route on 43% of Stafford's dropbacks and saw five targets. Um, so Johnson's the guy to play like in your Deshaun Watson stacks. If you're playing Peterson, it's, you know, you're expecting the Lions to win this game. So, you know, you know build your lineup that way. I do think that Adrian Peterson is the kind of, I don't know, sneaky guy that you can put in a lineup where even if Houston wins this game, and even if it wins it easily, it's the number 31 run defense in DVOA. Detroit can only throw the ball so much, missing two of its top three receivers. So Adrian Peterson could easily have, you know, 45 to 50 yards and a touchdown in this game. Yeah, I was just thinking back to a couple of years ago, there was a Thanksgiving game actually with the Lions. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt came in around 2% owned and he had two one-yard touchdowns. So I can kind of see a similar thing happening with Adrian Peterson. I don't think I'm going to be rostering him at all. The Texans rush defense actually played pretty good last week against the Patriots, which I was surprised about because the Patriots have a really good running game and they have a really good offensive line. So I was surprised that Damian Harris didn't have a bigger game. I know they kind of fell behind, but his yards per carry kind of fell off after that first drive a lot. So for me, too, it would be on Johnson if I'm using a Lions running back if uh, DeAndre Swift is ruled out. Are you guys factoring in at all? This is going to be a little bit earlier. This is going to be a lot earlier than anybody's used to playing, and Adrian Peterson is the only guy on either team that is a robot? <laughs> no, but I will. I'll factor that in now. All right, good. We'll move on to wide receivers. It's tough to get away from Brandon Cooks here at 5300 bucks on DraftKings. Really, whether you're using Deshaun Watson or not, I think we're using plenty of Deshaun Watson, so we're going to be playing plenty of Brandon Cooks. Jared, how are you approaching wide receiver? 
Yeah, I'll have Cooks in um, all of my lineups, obviously in the Watson lineups. And then if I'm making a Stafford lineup, Cooks will be part of the run back there. He's just way, way too cheap for the volume he's been seeing. I mean, Cooks and Fuller should be about the same price. I I think Fuller is fine where he is. It's just, you know, Cooks should be more up there in the 6,000s. Elsewhere, again, I I like Marvin Jones um, as part of the Stafford stack. And I'll probably have Jones in at least one of my Watson stacks, you know, just four catches for 51 yards last week, but the Lions offense struggled in general. Marvin Jones had four touchdowns over his previous three games. Um, He's averaging 6.8 targets per game over his last four games and 19% target share. And with Kenny Galladay uh, out again for this one, I think, you know, Jones is the best target bet in Detroit. Brandon Cooks has been outproducing Will Fuller lately. Do we know, I mean, obviously none of us knows the DraftKings algorithm, and I think it's more algorithm than somebody saying, no, Brandon Cooks sucks. We're going to keep him at 5,300. Any idea why his price is still so low there? Nope. (laughs) It doesn't make too much sense. I mean, Will Fuller had a couple more targets than him last week, but Brandon Cooks has been a pretty consistent producer over the last month or so. Uh, I think at the wide receiver position, I want a lot of lineups where I have McLaurin, Fuller, and Amari Cooper because those three guys have by far the highest ceiling on the slate, in my opinion. They're um, kind of the alpha on each of their teams there. So I think they could each have a big game and and you're going to need them. So I I don't really feel too good about any of the Lions wide receivers. Um, Marvin Jones hasn't really shown us a ceiling this year. I think he had one game where he went over 100 yards and had a touchdown a couple weeks ago, but just McLaurin, Fuller, and Amari Cooper are the safest target bets, and they have the highest ceiling as well. So there's a some spots we can pay down at the flex position. So by getting each of those three wide receivers, I think it's going to open up a lot of ceiling in my tournament lineups. Now, Terry McLaurin's questionable with an ankle issue. Jared, should we worry about his availability for this game? No, he was a full go in practice today and heard, have heard no concern about his status. So he, he should be fine. Um, I'm going to disagree with Tyler here though. So I, I think I'm going to fade Terry McLaurin, which, you know, could definitely come back to bite me, but you got to take some stands. You know, he's the highest price receiver on DK. We actually have Brandon cooks and Will Fuller projected for more raw points. So they're obviously better values. Um, you know, McLaurin has seen, you know, just with air quotes, a 21% target share, over the last three weeks with Alex Smith, it's definitely down from what he had been seeing with Haskins and um, Kyle Allen. So I, I'm just going to probably take a stand, just not play McLaurin and hope he doesn't go off. And then in Dallas, I actually like CD lamb over Amari Cooper. Um, lamb and Cooper both have 17 targets in Andy Dalton's two full games this season. And lamb has the much better matchup in the slot against Jimmy Moreland. Uh, lamb's run like 93% of his routes from the slot this season. So I'm going to go with lamb over Cooper. Um, again, no, I don't not like Amari Cooper, but I'm just going to play lamb, but I assume he'll be a bit lower owned than Cooper as well. Jared taking a stand against Terry McLaurin, something that I don't know. I feel like that's disrespectful. You should be thankful for it. Like, yeah. It's like if he crushes me in DFS, I have him on so many season long teams, I can still be happy. So it's all good. There you go. You're kind of hedging your bets at this late point in the season. Um, do you guys think that it's worth looking at any of the low dollar options here? We talked about Kiki Cutie a little bit. He's obviously stepping in for Randall Cobb, who looks like he'll be out. Came on for 57% playing time last week when Cobb went down, saw four targets, scored a, a touchdown. Seems like he's probably going to be fairly popular, popular at least for like a mid 3K receiver. And then I think the other 
3K wideouts worth even mentioning are Marvin Hall, 3,900, Michael Gallup at 3,500. Yeah, for me, I would prefer Gallup and QT over any of those min-priced Lions guys. I just really don't trust this Lions offense, and I think I want to be off of them in general. I know it's a bad Texans defense, but Stafford looked really bad last week, and I just don't trust that offense. I don't trust Matt Patricia, so I'd rather bank on a big game from Deshaun Watson and hope QT could uh, have one of those 10 target games. Uh, You know, he's had a couple big games in the past. I know he's an explosive guy. He's had some issues with drops and fumbles, but he was in Bill O'Brien's doghouse for a while. So maybe he could uh, have a nice game in the dome on Thanksgiving for us. Yeah. I drank those guys, Gallup, Kiki, Marvin Hall. Yeah, Gallup hasn't seen a ton of volume this season, but when he does get targeted, it's usually downfield. So, you know, he definitely has that big playability. And it was at least nice to see Dalton spread things around last week. Seven targets for Cooper, six for Lamb, six for Dalton Schultz, five for Michael Gallup. So you don't have to reach too far to project some target volume for Gallup. The one thing that that makes it difficult for me to let go of Marvin Hall completely is that he's either going to catch a 50-yard touchdown or do nothing. That's basically how he profiles at this point. If he does happen to catch a long touchdown in this game against the Houston defense, that's susceptible. I mean, he could be a difference maker in that range, but I mean, I I definitely agree overall that there's not a whole lot to like about Marvin Hall or the Detroit passing game. Yeah. Hall Hall should be the lowest owned among those two pretty easily. You know, just being on the lions and the fact that he's more expensive than Gallup and Kiki. That's the thing is if he comes in 3% owned and catches a 50 yard touchdown and catches, you know, two other balls, he's like 80 yards and a touchdown. Then I'm sitting there smiling with Marvin Hall. So I'll consider it. Obviously if you're building, you know, a couple of lineups, I'm not saying I'm not overselling Marvin Hall as an option here, but if you're building more than that, eh, maybe toss him into one. Of them. He's a, he, he is a good run back with your Watson stacks. Cause like Hall could easily go off and staff or not have a good game. Yes. Over at tight end, TJ Hawkinson is the most expensive guy, 4,700 bucks. He's also dealing with a shoulder issue this week. He had the toe issue before. I don't know if the toe issue is gone or if it's just that the shoulder issue is the bigger one currently that has him on the injury report. Altogether, it makes me a little bit apprehensive about him. You know, we'll see once I get to building my specific lineups. But, um, Jared, how do you feel about TJ Hawkinson this week? Yeah, I mean, I guess I think if, if the Lions are being honest, that the fact that the toe is not on the injury report means it shouldn't be an issue anymore. So I think, you know, a shoulder is um, you know, a better injury to be playing through than a toe. Are we trusting that Matt Patricia and his New England background are being honest with the injury report? Probably shouldn't, huh? I think he's hiding the truth on his chin, and I'm definitely not <laughs> trusting it. Yeah. T.J. Hawkinson, played, his playing time has been down a little bit each of the past two weeks, so that that's what makes me even a little bit more apprehensive. You know, the price doesn't matter a whole lot this week, where, like we said, we're probably leaving some salary on the table. It's not difficult to, to build a full lineup and put in whatever you really want. Um, but I don't know. There's something about Hawkinson that, that doesn't make me feel right this week. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to be fading Hawkinson. He had a season high 68 yards last week. But if you look through his box score, he never really has a usable fantasy game when he's not scoring a touchdown just because he's he's not getting a lot of catches. He's not getting a lot of yards. And I think he's going to be the highest owned tight end this week. And I think there's, you know, three or four other tight ends that could easily outscore him. So at $4,700, he's priced almost on DraftKings almost $1,000 more than every other tight end. You know, I'm not trusting the Lions offense, like I said. So I think Dalton Schultz can outscore him. He's been pretty consistent getting targets with Andy Dalton. 
Uh, same thing with Logan Thomas. And then Aikens finally saw an increase uh, in snap share, and he had over 80 yards last week. So I think he's an interesting stacking partner with uh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm wondering if Dalton Schultz is just similar in projection to TJ Hawkinson where, you know, they're both touchdown dependent, but otherwise fairly similar in terms of target reception projection and 900 bucks cheaper on DraftKings. Dalton Schultz is my preferred option on FanDuel too, I think. $300 more than Logan Thomas, but I think a higher upside spot for him. Just $100 more than Jordan Aikens on that site and 700 less than TJ Hawkinson there. Yeah, I'm I'm probably a little higher than you guys at Hawkinson. I mean, I, I think he pretty clearly the best bet to lead these tight ends in fantasy points on this two game slate. Um, and again, the, the price doesn't mean a whole lot to me just because the pricing is so soft in general. But I mean, that said, I think Jordan Aikens, Dalton Schultz and Logan Thomas are all good plays in their own rights. Um, it's actually, you know, for how crappy tight end is, it's actually a decent tight end slate here, despite just having two games. So I don't know. I, I probably go back to the thing I've been trying to do, on the full slates and just play the tight end paired with my quarterback. And you just mm -hmm. hope that my quarterback carries the tight end to a nice game. So you know that, that would mean Aikens in your Watson lineups. And then I'll, I'll use Hawkinson in, in my Stafford lineup. I was going to say, it's funny you should say that because Jordan Aikens sits second in our dollars per point, um, at least on uh, DraftKings, I believe it is in the lineup generator behind Logan Thomas. He returned to lead tight end usage last week, and the Lions have been more susceptible to tight ends lately since lowering Tracy Walker's role at safety. Vikings had five catches for 50 yards and two touchdowns combined between their top two tight ends a few weeks ago. Logan Thomas had four catches for 66 against Detroit two weeks ago, and then last week it was the Panthers, and they don't know what a tight end does. <laughs> yeah. Tyler, what are you, what, any other things that you're doing at tight end? Well, I think we could get cute in some GPP lineups and play double tight end uh, on this Thanksgiving slate because there's, you know, I don't feel too good about the $3,000 wide receivers. So we could have a Dalton Schultz, Logan Thomas, or uh, Jordan Aikens double tight end lineup, which could be sneaky and take down some GPPs because I don't think too many people will be rostering double tight ends, especially double tight end lineups without TJ Hawkinson. Jared, what else, what about the flex for you? I don't know. I don't have any notes for, for flex. <laughs> Again, it, it's 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 just going to come down to the game stacks. Like when I play Watson, I'm probably going to have three Texans with him um, with at least one Lion. And then you're kind of vice versa for the, the Stafford stack. Yeah, I think this is a spot where the low dollar Lions running backs could come into play, too, if there's no DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about the salaries for them, but it could be a, a spot to toss them. But I, I'm considering the double tight ends, too. I, I kind of like that option. Uh, yeah. Tyler, what are you targeting on defense? Defense, it's probably looking like Washington. Uh, they're the most expensive defense, but they're going to generate the most pressure. They have the best front seven, and Dallas has given up a lot of fantasy points to opposing QBs. I know that um, a couple of those games were with Garrett Gilbert and uh, that other guy they threw out there, that Italian guy. <laughs> but uh, Andy Dalton's prone to turnovers as well. Sometimes he uh, he doesn't do well with pressure. So if Washington gets up early, I think, Washington easily has the highest ceiling on the slate. Not really willing to use the Lions defense in any lineups. And then I'd be sprinkling in the Cowboys and the Texans just uh, because I think those are going to be teams that are probably playing with the lead and can generate more of a pass rush and more of a chance for turnovers. So, Tyler, it's, it sounded like you were going to be like close to 100% Zeke Elliott. Would you, would you play Zeke with Washington's defense? 
Yeah, just because I think Zeke is still going to be out there, even if they're down by two touchdowns. I know he's kind of been losing some snaps to Tony Pollard, but I think that was more of a result of his injury. And like you said, he looked healthier last week, and he's had games with over 10-plus targets. So I just think he's the safest option uh, no matter how the game goes. He's going to be out there. He's going to be getting the ball. Uh, Jared, what else you got on the defense front? Yeah, I mean, I think Washington's clearly the best play, you know, not considering salary, not considering any like, you know, correlation in your lineup. I, I've ended up with quite a bit of the Cowboys though in the lineups I've built, you know, not not a great defense, but they are home favorites. And you know, it's, it's not like Washington's offense is a juggernaut. Right. None are good options on defense. So why not take the cheap Cowboys at the bottom and, and spend elsewhere? Yeah. Um, on the betting front, we've got Texans by two and a half over Detroit. I think we probably all agree that Houston's the pick there, right? Yes, definitely. Over under 51 for me, the, the, it's pretty easily the over the lions were shut out last week by Carolina, but before that three straight games of 54 plus points and Kenny Galladay certainly wasn't around for that entire stretch. So I would guess that this game goes over 51. Yeah. That'd be in my lane. I mean, I think the Texans will do their part. It's, it's just, you know, do you count on the lions to score, you know, 20, 24 points? If they do, I think the game will go over. Um, I'd be more willing to bet the Texans team total over so, so I don't have to worry about the Lions scoring points. So the Texans team total is probably around 26 and a half, 27. So I'd be more willing to bet that because I think they're going to score over 30 points. That makes sense. Cowboys over Washington by three in their game. What do you guys think about that line? I would take Washington with the points because I, I can see either team winning. I think it's going to be a close game. So I'd take the points there. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, I definitely wouldn't bet it with any real money. I know that there's a, there's a pretty strong trend, though, of divisional game rematches going under, which, you know, that that qualifies here, and I could definitely see this game going under. So I'd lean under on this game. That's what I was going to say is I would go under here. Washington has just three games all season of 46-plus points. Dallas has just two games of 46-plus in the five without Dak Prescott. And the first of those was the Arizona game just because Carolina or just because the Cardinals scored 38 points in that game. Tyler over under 46. I would lean the under as well. Alex Smith is the captain of dumping the ball off. And I think the Cowboys offense might struggle a little bit going up against that front seven. So I think it's be a slow starting game. It's actually a huge game division matchup in the <laughs> NFC East. Uh, the division's wide open. So I think both teams are going to be completely motivated and playing really hard on defense so yeah I'd lean the under yeah much bigger game than it should be because the Eagles have decided to make it so that's gonna do it for this Thanksgiving Day DFS podcast head over to draftsharks.com now check out the lineup generator you can see all of our dollars per point projections you can start building your own money making lineups you can also find us on Twitter we are at DraftSharks. Jared is at Smola DS Tyler is at Tyler Syracuse with an I and I am at Shauf DS it's S-C-H-A-U-F for Jared Smola Tyler Syracuse and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 